This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. Now, here's Hammy, Vigo, and your host, Jupiter. Good evening and welcome to the GPL Podcast, episode number 132. Well, it's going to be a short episode tonight because we've got absolutely nothing to talk about. Nothing. Nothing has happened in the last month, last week, last day. Um, We'll keep it short, huh, guys? (laughs) (laughs) Holy cow, have we had a lot of happen since we've been on. Um, We've had a coaching change. We've had some players leave. We had Minnesota not make the tournament after they were like 99% in. We could do a podcast because my internet completely failed for a week. Uh, just a lot of stuff going on, Viggs. Where in the heck do we start? I think <laughs> we have to start with the new coach. <laughs> uh, That's new, something that has new coach. Here what? In Nineteen years. So yeah, I I, I would say so. Uh, the Don is out, uh, resigned, retired, whatever you want to call it. Last week, um, you know, he he said it was time, but. Uh, you know, he said actually during his news conference, you know, after those six games that only one of them they had to win all happened, he kind of said it was a sign for him to go. I'm guessing he might have decided before that. But who really knows what's in his head? Do we? V? Yeah, it's hard to know. Uh, Saratori was telling a story that he, uh, you know, finally gave in and gave his terms of resignation after the the way the tournament went out on uh, the last week on the conference championships and you could just kind of tell this year that he wasn't in it for the long haul you know he was turning over the scheduling to Genzel he was turning over media availability to Genzel to Bell and you could tell he was just kind of stepping away a little bit from some of the things he'd usually you know had his hands on even the last couple of years he'd been giving Grant Patoni um, more opportunities to coach the power play you know he he brought on Ben Gordon of the staff to try to get him ready to be a coach somewhere so you could just kind of sense that all these things were coming to a head here. And, uh, you know, that was kind of the last straw when he missed the tournament. Hammy, 19 years as a coach, two national championships, 14 banners, you know, whether it's a playoff banner, a regular season banner in the WCHA Big Ten. Um, you know, we have not been happy with him the past few years, but his, his history here will be uh, at the top or not, or maybe right there with, with Herb Brooks. It's just the reality. He, he was an excellent coach for a long time. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You can't hold uh, hold a lot against him. I mean, I know that we expected a little bit more from a national title perspective after, you know, rolling through those two years back-to-back. And I don't think anybody would have predicted that, you know, 15 years later that we wouldn't have uh, added to that number. But um, certainly when you look at the wins and the losses, the league titles – um, the players that have come through the uh, the program, all those kinds of things uh, have been very positive. He's obviously had a pretty clean, r- cleanly run team. Um, so, I mean, it, really everything that you could really expect out of a coach, you know, he's delivered on. I mean, like I said, we wanted a little bit more from the national title perspective, but that's just the way it goes. And uh, it's not so bad getting uh, that much time in, into your career and getting a couple national titles. That's a pretty good deal. Now, Viggs, um, typically, you know, we haven't seen the real Don. He's always been very reserved, always to himself, very professional and just a coach. But in the last few days, you know, he was on Beyond the Pond with, with Johnny Pohl and Jordan Leopold. And it seems like the Don that a, a lot of his friends know and his family knew kind of came out in some of that stuff. You know, some of the things he, he didn't show when he was a coach – came out in the last few days and uh, a lot of people have been saying, you know, where did we, why didn't we see that before? Um, uh, but uh, boy, I, a lot of people have been saying to me, geez, he, he's a lot more likable than we thought. And, and it's maybe just because he had that coach facade just going for almost 20 years. It's almost like he always has his game face on. You know, <laughs> if you go to his availability and you listen to his radio show and you hear him making these appearances, 
you know, he rehearses what he's going to say in all these situations. It's almost like, you know, you hear the same speech every time when you see him in all these opportunities. And I think he's just so dialed in about, you know, what to present to the public that he's always concerned about how he sounds and what he says, because he takes so much criticism from the public and Gopher fans over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, now that he's no longer the head coach, he can just kind of let it fly and, make fun of Troy Riddle's nightlife. You know, it's things like that that <laughs> I think, you know, give a coach a little bit more slack with fans. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you're so buttoned up, you know, you don't get that. And, uh, you know, it's I think it's been weighing on him, you know, trying to go out with a bang and uh, to have it go the way it did is, you know, just just too bad. But, you know, he's letting loose now. And we yeah. get to see him for another year because he's going to get paid. Yeah, well – well, Hammy, I don't know if you heard the Beyond the Pond the other day, this past Saturday, but uh, another thing that the Don did talk about as well is like um, he actually kind of called out the U for their ticket prices. You know, maybe something we haven't heard in a while when he when he he distinctly talked about how people can go to Wisconsin and pay half the cost that at Mariucci. He says it's a big issue. We've been talking about it here for years, but to finally hear it from the Don himself is. Uh, it's kind of a big deal. It's, I just wish it would have happened a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame him. It's kind of a tough position to be in when you're the coach because you are talking essentially about your bosses and their decisions. And I think we can all understand that you don't tend to um, criticize your boss too publicly. Even you know, you just don't really tend to do that. So I understand why he didn't do it. Uh, it's certainly nice to hear him say it after the fact it was kind of nice to hear you know coil essentially admit to as much that uh you know that that maybe they have kind of overdone it and so i think that that's something that should make some of the fans good i mean feel good about it you know maybe they'll address it we have yet to see any action on it of course but um hopefully the fact that they're acknowledging these things uh will lead to some changes that like you said we've been talking about for a little while we can only hope so um Viggs, you know, I, I like I said that that stuff when he was on with with Johnny and Jordan, uh, it was good stuff, and it wasn't just you know you know ripping the ticket prices. It was kind of just you know it was almost like he had some relief going, like he could open up himself a little bit, like he couldn't do before. Yeah, it definitely feels like he's got the pressure taken away because there's always a part of this fan base that was never going to get behind him. You know, even when they had success, they just went quiet, but. You know, when they're not doing well, they sure come out and they can be pretty vocal, as we've seen. Uh, so, you know, he's probably going to be more lax and, and push Coil to, to drop ticket prices and to make that a little bit easier for fans to re-engage with the program. Because I don't think we're going to hear that from Bob Moscow in all of his introductory no. press conferences. No. Uh, well, you know, before we get to Bob, uh, you guys have any more thoughts on the Don? Uh, you know, I, I, the only thing I, I would just kind of reiterate kind of what you guys were already talking about. If we had seen that side of him more often, I really believe that fans would have, you know, cut him a lot more slack over the years. Um, I'm not saying that anything would have changed. It, actually, but, um, I think the team side to people, they, they have a little bit more forgiveness in them if things don't quite go the way that they want. But if you kind of give them that robotic, you know, coach speak and, you don't really show that side of you. Um, it, fans kind of tire of that. So I think that um, if there's anything that if I was a coach, you know, looking at that situation, the thing I would learn from that is to really not be afraid to kind of show um, some of your more personal side. You don't have to give everybody the details, but, uh, you know, show enough of that where you have that kind of human element to you. Well, um, I was on board with the, Coach uh, Gensel being the next coach at, at Minnesota, that didn't happen. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm fine with with Bob Motzko. Um but Hammy, uh, you look at somebody like uh, Gensel who has been with this program for a long time, much longer than the Don. And you know, he went away for a year and a half or whatever; he was gone. But uh, this guy bleeds maroon and gold. He cares about this program more than probably anybody else over there, and. Uh, that's the last time we're going to see him behind the bench. I mean, I don't think he's going to come on. I don't think he's going to be involved anymore. Um, is it a slight? Is it? Is it? I mean, what do you, what do you think about Gensel not really uh, getting a chance here? 
after oh, being here for probably, so long. <laughs> we could probably spend uh, 15, 20 minutes on this one alone. Um, you know, I, I don't even know exactly where to start other than um, I think the thing that kind of bothers me, it's not even bothers, it disheartens me, is that um, when I watch people talk about the coaching situation in the last week, um, it made me sad to see people kind of hold his loyalty against him in a sense, because, um, you know, he's a really good coach and he's had opportunities to go elsewhere. Um, he was a head coach in the USHL before he came to the U and he was successful there. Um, um, he's got a tremendous amount of respect from players he's coached and alums and all these things that you really want to check the box on. And you know, when you see people say, you know, oh, well, he's just like Lucia and he's not going to be different. And no. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like I just, you're going to have your own thoughts when you're an assistant coach, but you're not going to undermine the head coach. You know, you might give your opinions, but um, you have to execute what the head coach wants. And Mike, Mike Gensel was not going to just be another Don Lucia. He had his own thoughts. And um, it just disheartening to me when I saw people kind of criticize him, especially in sports where we're always lauding athletes who play with one team for their whole career or take the hometown discount to stick around. And here we have a guy who was loyal and didn't try to just let his personal ambition lead him to some other place. And he was loyal and people kind of held it against him. And I don't know if it was held against him with the decision makers, but uh, it was kind of sad for me to see that. Well, one thing about Gensel Viggs is that when he did do media availability, either before or after game, or if you ever got a chance to talk to him, he, he was a different guy than the, than Don. He would tell you straight up what was going on. And it, there was no BS with, with Mike. Yeah, with Don, it's always feeling like it's something rehearsed. But with Gensel, it's honesty and, and how he feels. And I think that's one of the things that the players respected about him. You know, he he wasn't going to BS you when he benched you. He wasn't going to BS you when he took away your ice time. He was going to tell you to your face what was going on, and he could show you on video if he wanted. And he's a real honest guy, and um, I think that kind of, you know, backfired on him here with this committee that sounds like was held to help decide the head coaching job. Yeah. And it's too bad because, you know, he did pass up a lot of opportunities, and he's probably thinking to himself tonight, you know, what if I had taken one of those jobs and had been a head coach for a couple of years? You know, would I be in a better spot to be the head coach, even though it's not what he really wanted to do? He wanted to be at Minnesota the whole time. So yeah. it's it's too bad for him to see that happen. You know, you know and go ahead. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is, and I'm not going to go into details about it, but I talked to Coach Gensel for over an hour last week, and that t entire conversation, there wasn't one time where he talked about himself ever in the entire conversation. It was always about the program and his feelings on things and how he felt, you know, things could be tweaked and whatever. He never once. And he it was like he was saying it even though he knew he might not be around for it. That's the kind of person that we're talking about. He thinks about gopher hockey and wanting it to be the best it can be. And I, I just don't know that people understand that. And that's kind yeah. of what saddens me, you know, when I see some critiques of him. I just feel like they don't get that. Well, I always felt that he was very personal with, with a lot of people. Um, he, he was personal with you know me a few times. I remember being between the benches, and we won't go into the swear thing he did once, but uh, – um, a, 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 just an amazing play happened. The Gophers get a goal, and Gensel's three feet away from me. And he looks at me, he goes, did you get that? As if, did I get the photo of, of the shot of the goal and whatnot? And it's like he, he took time right after scoring the goal to look at me and say, hey, did you get that? Uh, he, he's very personable. You know, and there was another time during uh, the Mariucci Classic when Northeastern was here where he was – you know, he was at, at one of the hotel rooms with a bunch of people along with the Northeastern coach, and he's just very personable. Um, it's one thing we never saw from the Don because we didn't know the Don, but uh, Gensel, you could come up and talk to you about anything, and if it was hockey or not hockey, he was just a very personable guy. And I'd, I'm personally going to miss having him around. Um, 
but that's just the way things go sometimes, you know. Mott's goes the, the big name now. Um, I, I, I'm almost thinking we should have gone a little younger, maybe not Patoni, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe Mott's only a short-term thing. I, I don't know, but uh, – um, Hats off to you, Jet, to Mike Gensel, because uh, you have been the heart of the program through, you know, the Booger and 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 the Don, and uh, he he will definitely be missed. I hopefully he doesn't, you know, we don't stop seeing him around here. Or me, you know, Vegas, he could go to St. Cloud if he wanted to, I guess, unless the St. Cloud, you know, assistant takes the job. Yeah, it's hard to know. It's you look around candidates as we've done for this Gopher job, and you know, you think he'd be right up there with uh, Greg Brown from bc and uh ben barr from uh umass as top assistants looking for jobs uh you know st cloud uh, gibbons has already said that he's going to apply for that job and uh it's going to be up to Genzo, i think whether or not he wants to keep coaching or i you know he could always work with Moscow. you never know yeah. uh, a couple cryptic tweets today out of uh his account but we'll see <laughs> Well, I guess that does lead us all to uh, Bob Motzko's, the new coach now, taking over, just announced today. Um, he's going to have a press conference on uh, Thursday uh, in the 1, 1 p.m. I'm going to try to get to that. I'm not sure if I can get down there, but I'd like to. So at least we have a little more notice this time than we did when the Don quit. Um, <clears throat> been at St. Cloud for, what, 13, 14 years or something along those lines? Was an assistant here at Minnesota during the championship years. Um Hammy, um, you know, you usually have the alumni complaining, oh, he's not a Minnesota man, blah, blah, blah. But I think the fact that he was already here and he was part of putting those national championship teams together, that I, I don't think the alumni really have a lot to bitch about this time. Yeah, well, you know how the alumni <laughs> Well, true. I, but, but, you know. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying, you know, he, he was here. He, he helped build those teams. He was here cheering for, I mean, he he was a Minnesota guy when he was on the bench here, so it's not like they're bringing in a complete outsider. No, and I may agree, and I don't want anybody to take my comments about Coach Genzel to mean that I don't you know support the Coach Motzko. I mean, I, look, I'm not in on the interviews. I don't know how each man presented their vision of the future for Gopher hockey, and so I, I'm not here to say anything beyond that, but I certainly support, you know, you know, our new coach and I want him to do awesome. And I believe that he has certainly a track record. That's pretty good. Um, you know, obviously like I brought up in Twitter last week, it would be interesting to see how forgiving, you know, and how accepting <laughs> Gopher fans would be if, um, you know, coach Motzko had done that at the U where he's a one seed you know, two of the last three years and his team gets knocked out by a four seed this year being the lowest seed they got knocked out by. Um, You know, we saw Lucia get criticized quite a bit for the one and done stuff and whatever. So uh, it's, it'll be interesting, but I I certainly think that he's going to bring a style of hockey that should be exciting. I think we all know he's a a pretty offensive minded coach. Um, I think because he's offensive minded, we do need somebody um, on the staff that has a very good defensive mind in his own right. So that's kind of why, you know, if I had my biggest wish, it'd be that Coach Gensel would decide to stay uh, and be a part of that. But I have no clue what the, he's going to do in that regard. Um, but I'm excited about what the future holds, and I think uh, he'll be a good addition to our program. Viggs, uh, initial thoughts on Mr. Bob Motzko taking over? It's all timing when it comes to this coaching job <laughs> turnover. True. You know, if this would have been after the Gophers had lost in Union in the national championship game, sure as you can bet, Genzo would have been the coach in waiting. If it would have been last year when St. Cloud misses the tournament, I don't know if Bob Moscow gets the job, but he gets it and he plays up and down hockey. You know, he's coached on the Olympic sheet at uh, the Herb Brooks Center, so he's used to that. And he's used to taking a team that's used to playing on Olympic sheet and taking it to NHL sided ranks. And we're still a couple years from doing the ice sheet uh, shrink at Mariucci. Uh, but he's a, he's a good coach. If you're looking at some of the top coaches in college hockey, you know, he's on that list. You know, there's a reason why USA Hockey had him do the World Juniors back to back. You know, he's been coach of the year in the NCHC which has been kind of the premier conference in college hockey the last couple of years. And uh, I think he gets almost bulletproof uh, for not being an alum 
because of being on the staff when they won the national titles yeah. and because he's such a Minnesota guy, you know, he's part of that Herb Brooks coaching tree. You know, he, he wanted to be on that staff and got the opportunity to do it. So uh, he's an exciting hire. Uh, I think, you know, that having the committee of people who have, you know, seen what happens when the alumni don't support their coach, you know, they're going to really try to rally them and, and get on the same page. So he gets more support than the last coach because you can see how damaging that can get. Yeah, Hammy, it, I, regardless how people feel about Lucia, the alumni have just not been happy. The donors haven't been happy for, for years now. Uh, Don's going to turn to finishing what he started. You know, they got the locker room all done. They still need to do the weight room. They need to make other changes, club room, obviously eventually the rink size. Um so, so the Don is going to stay on for that. I don't know how successful he's going to be with it. Um, I almost think it would be better if, better if it was Gensel doing that. Yeah, I mean, I it'll be interesting. But, I mean, maybe the fact that he's not in that role anymore, maybe that'll make him, you know, a little bit more acceptable to, you know, some of these alums. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how badly some of those relationships have been damaged, you know, just because he was the head coach, maybe it'll be a little different now that he's not the head coach, yeah. uh, but we'll see. Um, Mote, well, we've already well, seen how his personality has changed since he's right. no longer the head coach. I mean, it's yeah. probably going to be a lot easier for him going forward. Mote wants right. to know, any. he wants cool. to know who got interviewed. Um, I want to say Louis said, uh, they, I, Louis said it was like four guys. You know, we've got, obviously we've got Motzko, we've got Gensel, Patoni. You think that fourth guy might have been Stauber? Uh, what I, I Does don't anybody know hundred percent. I've heard that Tom Ward was okay. potentially interviewed, but I don't know that a hundred percent. So I don't want to go on record saying that's absolutely the case, yeah. but I did hear that. Viggs is there a good case for some of those other guys. You know, we had Tom Ward who was, has been on the staff here years ago. Um, Stauber, you know, you know, in the magazine you write for sometimes what was it Minnesota hockey, you know, kind of, Want, really wanted the job as well. Well, I I think those guys are candidates to be coaches somewhere, but I think the gopher job is such a unique job in college hockey. It's not just X's and O's. You know, it's not just developing talent. You've got so many different things to deal with when you coach at Minnesota. You've got so many early commitments. You've got so many early departures like Casey Middlestead and Ryan Lindgren. You've got other guys who might be looking to leave. So you've got to manage your roster. You know, you've got to manage kids who don't want to play junior hockey. They want to come right to college hockey. So you've got to figure that out. You know, you've got GMs who criticize how well you're developing their draft picks. Yeah. Um, and then you have this fundraising issue that's going to be a major issue for them. They need to raise a little over $10 million to pay for the weight room, for the M Club, for shrinking the ice. And they only have about 500000 of that Ugh. raise. And they've been trying to do this for years. And it took them a long time to get the locker room money in place. So there's a lot of complications to the job. And I don't think any of these guys can be a, a legitimate candidate unless they're willing to be able to take that on and have experience with how to handle it. And I think that's very few people. And I think uh, Bob Moscow is, is one of those people who can handle it. I think Genzel would have been good at it too, but... You know, I don't think it's a very long list of people who are qualified for the job. Now, now, Hammy, I think one of the big questions is: is how is this going to refer, uh, affect the, the the current recruits that have committed to both Minnesota and St. Cloud? I mean, we have players that have signed national letters of intent; they're probably still going to stick with that. But uh, is this something where we could lose some of these guys who 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 who? Uh, agreed to come here under Don or maybe some St. Cloud guys who agreed to go there, maybe come here. I, and there's, there's a lot of fluidity to this. Um, what can, what do you think could happen here? Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting. I think that, you know, when you're a new coach coming in, you have the perfect opportunity to, um, you know, kind of get rid of or call whatever word you want to use. Some of the underperforming recruits that are in your pipeline. And certainly yeah. there's a few, situations in the gopher pipeline right now that you would say hmm you know that might be a, an opportunity to move on from that player because let's face it the guy that they committed to isn't there and the new guy can say hey look 
I have a vision for what I want and I'm sorry, but you just don't really fit that vision, you know, and they can't, it's like, you kind of can hold it against the school, but you, but you can't really hold against the coach. So it's kind of that gray area. Um, so I think that there, there's a chance that there might be a few guys that um, we move on from and not necessarily bring in. But I think that looking at, especially over the last year or so um, I think that it's been really strong and recruiting pipeline for the Gophers. And I, I highly doubt that Moscow is going to come in and say, oh, yeah, I don't want any of those guys. I, I'm sure that the majority of them are going to maintain, you know, a commitment to the U. But there might be a few that, you know, he does cut. And then and on the flip side, I'm sure there might be a couple guys that he looks at and says, yeah, you know, I'd, I'm sure that they would want to follow me here. Maybe I'll, you know, I'll give them, I'll ask them, you know, I don't know. I don't know how he's going to handle that part of it. That's kind of. I remember when Lucia came, you know, he, uh, Matt DeMarkey had committed to Colorado college and, um, he decided to come follow Lucia to the U. So it's not exactly unheard of to see something like that happen. Well, well, Viggs, um, one of the things that we heard the Don talk about on Saturday was he would love for this gentleman's agreement to go bye-bye. He, and he even said the new coach should come in and say, I don't, I'm not going to go by these rules anymore. And that it, I'm just going to, if they don't have a letter tent, you know, national letter of tent signed, I'm going to recruit them. Uh, you think this is something Moscow is going to do, or you think it's going to be kind of keep on keeping on? <laughs> well, I think Moscow liked the idea of a gentleman's agreement um, long ago, but it's mm-hmm. just, it doesn't apply anymore. You know, you have these kids who are making decisions before they knew who their head coach coach is going to be you know kids making decisions before they know what the playing time looks like oh, geez, yeah you know when i talked to Matsko at the nchc media day he said as a parent of two boys i don't need a rule to stop my kids from doing what they may or may not want to do and so i think it's pretty clear that while he hasn't had a lot of issues with the gentleman's agreement there's no rules other than the national letter of intent correct you know that's correct. the only thing that the ncaa recognizes they don't recognize verbals you know, and it's obvious that coaches don't either. You know, St. Cloud last uh, one of their big recruits to Denver this year, and that may or may not have started an argument between him and Jim Montgomery. <laughs> that Jim Montgomery said was about Miller Lite, tastes great, less filling. But I'm pretty sure that was pretty funny. Decommitting from St. Cloud for Denver. And I think, you know, there's a hole on the blue line right now with Ryan Lindgren going pro. Um, a lot of the commits that, um, Lucia had lined up are, are younger and I don't think you want to be rushing these kids in and St. Cloud's got a couple kids who are about to be 20 who are going to go there. So you can see that St. Cloud wanted some older defensemen coming in. I'm sure Bob Moscow is going to want to do the same thing in his new job. Either, either way, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. We've got so many things that are, that come up. We, we could have, you know, players decommitting, recommitting, and we can have, uh, we could we could lose more players, well, so we have no idea what's going to happen there. We, we don't even do we even have any idea who who Moscow's going to go after for his his own staff? Is he going to bring his own guys, you know, from St. Cloud in, or is he going to bring some new guys in? Or uh, do we have any clue on that, guys? I don't think so, but I mean, I think the fact that you know, I, I would be surprised if Bell moved on. I mean, just because he is under contract, from what Viggs says, at least. Okay, I'm I'm, take, I'm using <laughs> Viggs as my source here. So, I have the contracts; they are they're guaranteed to be paid through April 30th of next season. And okay. you know he's you know a valuable guy, and I think that he would be uh, somebody. But you know you never know; you just don't know. I, I think the other interesting question will be, you know, how is Motsko going to recruit at the U? Because you know the fact is is that. Most of the players that ended up at St. Cloud are not guys that really the Gophers pursued with a lot of zest. You know, there's a, some here or there, but um, it's sort of a different category of players that you're going after. And how is he going to address that? You know, because it, um, when you suddenly, yeah, I've always said that there's kind of like this siren song when you're a Gopher <laughs> head coach, because now all of a sudden you're, you see all this talent in front of you that is at your fingertips and it's like, you know, but you want to build the right team, you know, and you're not building an all-star team. You're trying to build the best team. And and sometimes that means that you're not grabbing just talent after talent. You have to blend it all together. So it'll be interesting to see, 
you know, from that perspective, how he's going to try to build um, the Gopher program and whatever image he has. What do you think, Viggs? Do you think it's a good idea to maybe keep Bell on as as an assistant coach as kind of a bridge between the two uh, staffs? And, you know, I I don't think uh, Gensel will be here, but uh, Bell might not be a bad idea. Well, I think Bell is so plugged into the recruiting scene after, you know, being a scout with Pittsburgh and having his kid go through uh, the Bantam, you know, program Edina. You know, there's just so much knowledge there and so so much hustle in into his recruiting that I think it's a good idea to keep him on board. I, I have a feeling that Moscow's recruiting style is a little bit different than Bell's. So that's going to be something they're going to have to talk about and, and hammer out. Uh, but, you know, Bell's a hustler, so he's a good person to have on staff, and he could be a good alum to have to connect to people because, you know, there aren't a ton of alumni from Minnesota who are in great positions to be assistant coaches at the U. You know, you, you want some guys who have got some experience coaching and you know there just aren't a ton of minnesota guys out there who have that experience no there's not at all so um well before we get going for we still got a lot to talk about and get some questions to get to we need to hear from our sponsor who we haven't heard from him in a few weeks since we haven't had a podcast in a few weeks so here we go vintage mnhockey.com is a proud sponsor of the gpl podcast well what is vintage mn hockey well it's kind of the place to get all of your history of Minnesota hockey, from the pros to the minors, to the collegiate teams, to even the high school teams. All information about any of those teams can be found on VintageMNHockey.com. They also have great interviews with some historical Minnesota hockey figures like John Mayasich and Lou Nanny, Glenn Sonmore, some of the greats of Minnesota hockey. So make sure you check out those interviews. It's a really great thing. But as like I always say, I think my favorite part is the store. The store, you can buy a custom historical jersey from the Gophers or the Bulldogs or some of your favorite high school teams. And if you do make a purchase, just use the code GPLPODCAST, all one word, and you'll get 10% off your order. So make sure you visit VintageMNHockey.com and follow them on Twitter at VintageMNHockey. Okay, boys. Well, Hammy, not that we haven't had enough to talk about this week, um... Coach Matsko is going to have a, a few holes to fill in his roster, and both guys he's already coached this year on the junior team, uh, Lindgren and Middlestead. Lindgren gone last week, Middlestead gone just yesterday. Uh, those are big losses. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I was uh, Lindgren. That to me was a mistake. Um, I, I don't think that that's a, like an overly damaging thing. I mean, obviously it's going to hurt in the short term somewhat, but. Um, you know, I don't, he wasn't one of those guys that was great on both ends of the rank. I think that, um, you know, his physicality and maybe some of his defensive play was pretty good, but, um, I don't know that he was ever going to be a great offensive defenseman. So I think that that they can probably figure out, um, and, and find, you know, maybe from a team approach, they can handle that. Obviously you're not going to replace a talent like Middlestead. Um, there's nobody you're going to bring in now you know, either in the pipeline or, um, you know, kind of late in the game as a late commit that's going to match that talent. That one hurts a little bit more. I can't blame him for doing what he's doing, especially when you're going to a, let's face it, a shit team in Buffalo and you give an opportunity to, <laughs> in front of you to play um, on the pro level, on the NHL level. So I can't blame him. Um, I don't think he was ready per se, but, you know, it doesn't matter what I think or what any of the fans think. It's a matter of, is that NHL team willing to sign them and give them an opportunity? And apparently they are. So, you know, best of luck to them, and hopefully uh, it works out well. Viggs, Lindgren and Middlestead, ouch. Yeah, I mean, those are two pretty key players. You know, when Minnesota was playing St. Cloud after getting beat pretty good on the, I think it was a Saturday night, you know, they had a team meeting on Sunday, and, Lucia turned to Lindgren and Middlestadt to kind of spark the team. And, you know, they came out and had a, one of their best performances of the year to beat St. Cloud. And after the game, Moscow said Lindgren was just the player Minnesota needed to, to flip the tide on that, that series. And they're going to be missed. Uh, do I think those guys are going to step in the NHL right away and be successful? Doesn't look like it. You know, it's a big leap to go from college hockey to the NHL. 
And it's even bigger when you're, you know, 19, 20 years old. Uh, so I think it's going to be a tough challenge for those guys to be professionals. I think they would have been benefiting from uh, another year of college hockey. Um, so they'll, they'll take their punches next year. Uh, Lindgren signed an ATO, so he's not even getting that year burned. Middlestat, hard to argue when they do burn a year of his contract, so he gets more money sooner. But at the same time, those guys are going to have a tough time next year. They are going to have a tough time, but uh, yeah, I think – Hammy, I think what makes the, the the loss even worse when you look at somebody like Middlestead is that uh, um, we we didn't have a lot of offense this year. You know, if 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 Sheevy, Sheehy, Novak, Pitlick, if those guys would have had a normal progression from the previous year, um, I, I I don't think you know we missing Middlestead would have been as big of a deal. But now they had they they struggled, didn't really improve this past season. And we don't even know if those guys are going to be around next season. Well, I would suspect, I don't know that there's going to be anybody that's going to be banging down their doors after <laughs> True. the year that they had. Um, they weren't bad, bad, but certainly given what we saw from the previous year, you know, you expected a lot more of these guys, especially somebody like Sheehy. Um, I kind of wonder just from conversations of some of these guys just didn't approach this season the right way uh you know sometimes guys get a little bit um i don't want to say lazy but you know they don't maybe necessarily have the same focus because they feel like hey i had a kick-ass year last year i'm just gonna you know roll out on the on the ice and i'm gonna have the same results and it doesn't turn out to be like that so um, hopefully whatever happened for them this year they've learned from it and they're gonna use this off season to you know use that as kind of their motivation this off season to have a much better year next year. I do think it was difficult on Sheehy and Novak this season, battling through their injuries. You know, Sheehy had a back surgery this summer, late in the summer, that, you know, cost Zach Parisi about four or five months of his season, whereas Tyler Sheehy tried to play right through it. He didn't miss a practice hardly. Yeah. And Tommy Novak coming off uh, ACL surgery uh, in the middle of last season, you know, come back less than nine months and try to play, then have an upper arm injury where he's got a cast on, you know, affecting the ability to take draws the second half of the year. You know, those are two pretty important players that are just, you know, walking wounded for the team. Hard to know, you know, how much blame to pin on those guys because they're they're trying to play through injuries for their teammates, and I don't think there was a lot of scoring sitting on the bench. Well, it doesn't help when you have a senior like – Bristed, who basically doesn't even show up, so basically didn't show up, <clears throat> right? He, he he was a ghost. And if it wasn't for his effort and some of his bad luck, um, he probably should have been sat a long time ago. But you know, he, you see him busting his butt out there, and and clearly a few times he was snake bit. But uh, he, boy, he just got to cash in on some of those, and he just couldn't do anything this year. And it killed the team because you think it's just a couple more goals by any of those guys, and uh, they're in the tournament. So, who knows? <sighs> Probably who knows. Uh, we got a bunch of questions from Twitter, guys. And if you're listening live, you have any questions for us? Just use the hashtag GPL Podcast. I'm just going to start with the most recent. Todd Johnson wants to know. And I'll throw this at both of you. Uh, what do you think the big difference will be between Lucia? coach to go for team and a Moscow coach to go for team. What do you think, Viggs? What's the, what's the first thing we'll see is the difference between how, you know, they coach the game or coach the team. Man, it's, it's hard to know exactly what the differences are. Cause I feel like f- philosophically they're similar in how they see the game. You know, they want to see a lot of offense. They want to see their defensemen getting involved in the rush. You know, they want to see power plays perform. I think the one thing you might see is more fire. You're going to see a guy who's a little more intense on the bench, and uh, hopefully that'll rub off on the players and they'll be a little more fiery as well. Hammy, any thoughts on how how the game's going to be coached between the two coaches? Yeah, I mean, I think that I would agree with Viggs on that. I think that probably the big thing will be, um, you know, how maybe – I guess what I'm curious is how Moscow is going to recruit with regard to now that he has probably a little bit broader 
ability to get some of the higher end guys. Um, I'll be curious to see how he approaches that. I think that just from conversations that I think that the, they'll probably try to get a little more physical than what we've seen. Um, I think that there'll probably be a little bit more of a focus, not that they didn't focus on before, <laughs> but I think it's a player's character, um, kind of what their makeup is as a player, you know, that how do they handle adversity? Cause I think one of the things we've seen is some of these kids come in, they've always been primetime players. They've always been the star player at their high school or wherever they've come from. And then they come here and you don't have star player roles up and down the lineup. Some of these guys have to play roles that are more grittier and tougher. And some of these guys simply don't have the tools for it. They don't have the makeup for it. And it'll be interesting to me to see if they start to adapt their approach to kind of find guys that maybe fit those roles a little bit better and, but still contribute things from a, a talent perspective. Nathan Holm wants to know bigger perceived knock on Gensel in the eyes of the administration. Uh, was it the ties to Lucia or lack of proven track record as a head coach? I'll throw that one at you, Hammy. Um, he hasn't been a head coach in a while, but you think it's more of the ties to Lucia and maybe how the defense wasn't so good this year? No, I think that they have enough respect for Don Lucia that that wouldn't be like the backbreaker for him. Okay. I, I'm sure that, you know, a lot of it is just when you look at another candidate, like, I mean, look at Bob Motzko. I mean, he does have head coaching experience on the college level, quite a bit of it, you know, and obviously we know that Mike Gensel does not have that. Um, I think when I look at the, the candidates, you know, to me, Gensel was at worst the, the second guy um, for the job. I mean, mainly because he has built teams on his own. Um, he has helped build this program. He has a track record. If I was going to say anything, um, that would probably be the, the backbreaker for, for his situation is just not having the same level of head coaching experience on the D1 level as Bob Motzko. What do you think, Viggs? Well, I definitely think there is some recency bias against Gensel. You know, when you involve a committee that all they hear from the public is how bad the defense has been this year and what a bad state the program is, I think that probably, you know, factors into their thinking. And that's probably too bad for Genzel because he's done such a good job over his career at Minnesota. But I think that definitely plays into it for them. Okay, let's scroll through. And uh, oh, the craze wants to know over under three point point five points for Casey and Buffalo the rest of the year. How does Casey do his first few games for Buffalo? What do you th- what do you think, Beegs? I think he's going to get a couple points. You know, they're going to put him with some good players. I don't I don't think they're going to stick him at center and make him do all the work. And you know, at this time of the year, the games don't mean a whole lot, so it's probably going to be closer to uh, you know the four on four. The uh, beauty league than real <laughs> NHL playoff games. <laughs> what do you think, Cammy? I think uh, I think Old Middlesex can make any noise out there for, for in Buffalo these last few games. Oh well, what do they have? Like six games left, something like that. I don't know. I yeah, don't even know. Get a, yeah, he'll probably get a few points. I mean, but who knows? I mean, it's kind of hard to envision. You know, it's kind of weird. Sometimes you think that a guy's not going to do it as much because he just left college and he didn't have a great college year. He did pretty solidly and he had his moments where he was really shining, but it wasn't consistent. And so you think, ah, well, he's going to go off the NHL and probably struggle. But then sometimes you see these guys just suddenly blow up and and you say to yourself, why the hell didn't he do that on a college? You know? So um, (laughs) it'll be interesting. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Tim Hackey from three hours ago, he says, do you think Gensel's tweet tonight about the best thing about today is Jake's assist is foreshadowing of things to come and he's not coming back? Well, obviously he's not coming back, but uh, I think Gensel probably knew for at least a day that uh, he wasn't going to be coming back. Any thoughts on that, guys? (laughs) I have no idea what his plans are. (laughs) I mean, obviously I I wouldn't blame him one bit if he... you know, never looked back, you know, and just said, whatever, you know, go screw yourself after all the time I put into that program. Um, so I, I don't know what he'll, he'll do. 
Um, whatever he does, I certainly, obviously I would love for him to stick around and be a part of building things to the level we want it to be. But if he doesn't, you certainly can't. Uh, totally lost you there. Kind of lost you at the end there, Hammy. But... Oh, I'm sorry. Nah, you've been having kind of issues all night. At least that's what I've been hearing, cutting out a little bit, but. We're good. Um, Tommy D. Martino, Viggs, who's going to score now that Casey's gone? I, I, I would say we'd like to see the Sheehy and Novaks come back, but uh, that has been kind of the concern with well, Casey I mean, leaving. They do have some, some scores on the roster. You know, Sheehy and Novak, if they're healthy and come back, those guys can score. You know, Norman's shown in the past that he can score. You know, Pitlick, when he's going, he should be a dangerous player. He was probably the biggest mystery to me all season. You know, he's a player that was so dependent on playing with Middlestat this year. I'm, I'm not sure what was going on there. Uh, that would be a big key for Moscow to unlock is to figure out how to get him productive again. Maybe we see Pitlick at center next year. Um, McManus is a player who really flashed at the end of the season as a legitimate threat. Um, so... He would have benefited by playing junior this year, but because of uh, some departures, they brought him in, and you know he's a player they're going to have to count on him for scoring. Um, coming in, um, Blake McLaughlin, you know he's he's been a scorer in the USHL, and I think they'll look for him to be a scorer at Minnesota. Let's uh, let's temporarily go back a few weeks here, and uh, I, I, obviously when we. Uh, our last podcast, we were still about to go to Penn State, and, and since then, or actually, I think we did have podcasts. I can't even remember anymore. All I know is our last win was in February. Um, Viggs, um, the end of the season, not so good. You know, They had to wait and wait, and it looked like they were in. And the sequence of events that happened to knock them out and to keep Duluth in by one one-thousandth of a point, uh, RPI or whatever it was, the sequence of events that happened a week ago uh, during the, you know, the, the tournaments all over the place, <laughs> it was just phenomenal. It was, uh, it, it was unprecedented. It, it definitely was un- unprecedented. I'd been looking at how many at-large teams had ever been outside the, you know, the, the cut line to make the tournament. And the most had been three, and that happened twice. And that was back when Atlantic Hockey and um, CHA got bids from their tournament. So that's two, you know, right there that you'd expect. But there had never been this many. And you just had to think going into it that Minnesota was going to be in. But a lot of the teams that we expected uh, to get, you know, their conference tourneys that already had at-large bids all kept dropping. And, as games ticked off one by one, it just kind of felt like it was going to happen. You know, you just kind of, once you identified this one in 64 scenario going into the night, you're just like, <laughs> it's going to happen. This is definitely going to happen. You can just see the games end and, and uh, you can hear some cheers in Excel because that's where I was. You know, people were following along and it was just kind of one of those uh, Greek tragedies. It's just like, that's going to happen. And it did. Uh, it, it it was odd because you know it literally came down to that last night and I, what was it six games only one had to turn out you know the Gophers if, if one of those games turned out the way it needed to go the Gophers were in uh, yeah once but, Duluth lost you know it was almost a sure thing that Minnesota was in all six <laughs> games had to go I was looking at the odds if you were to do a six team parlay you put down you know a hundred bucks you would have got fifty one back on your on your bet. Five grand. Oh, jeez. Uh, Hammy, thoughts on the most bizarre ending to a season we've ever had, I want to say. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just goes to show you, you can't let uh, your own destiny get out of your hands, right? You kind of have to take the destiny and just make it work for you. And I, I just feel like uh, it's unfortunate that they kind of let things happen the way they did it in those last few series with Penn state. And, you know, you always look back, we always talk about when you look back on the season and you say, if we had won just this one game, we would have got in or we would have yep. been in a different position or whatever. And you never know when that game happens when it's in the midst of the season, but you certainly can look back on those games and say, yep, if we had played a little better that night and we came out with a win, it would have done a world of good for us, you know, in our opportunities. So, um, it's always interesting to kind of look back in hindsight and pick 
those one or two games where you say that's what did us in. And lo and behold, instead of five Big Ten teams getting in the, into the tournament, four of them did. And, uh, boy, Figs, three of them have made the Frozen Four. And uh, I, people are like, what? Um, it, it, this is pretty good for the Big Ten to get three teams into the Frozen Four. Yeah, I kind of saw this coming. You you looked at the brackets, and Michigan has been a really good team in the second half of the year, and I thought they had the easiest regional out of all the four. Yeah. Um, you looked at Ohio State and the way they'd been playing the second half of the season. You know, they were going to be a tough team to, to go against because they're they're so tough defensively, they're physical, and they've got some scores. And then uh, Notre Dame, you know, they're just a tough team. I, I think they dipped a little bit in the second half of the season, but they've got probably one of the best goalies in um, college hockey, and they play such a, a tough style where they, they, they are so defensively focused that it doesn't take a lot of mistakes for them um, to capitalize on. And, you know, lo and behold, those three are in, and then the, the last team to get in that large bid comes out of the region of death. <laughs> And, and that was a region of death. I mean, it, I, I thought it was the toughest group, and then I, it obviously got thrown all, all wacky when uh, Frank Territory's Air Force team came in and, and upset St. Cloud. Um, <laughs> and a first, I believe the first time a 16 has ever defeated a one, or is it the second time? Has a 16 ever beaten a one? I think then Mankato. Was Mankato, yes. Yeah. R.I.T.? Yeah, RIT beat them. So the second time, yep. everyone always loves to say, "Oh, it was Holy Cross." Holy Cross. No, Holy Cross wasn't. That was a fifteen-two. So people can shut up about that. But uh, you know, we've been talking about the people being angry about the Big Ten, blah blah blah. And I, I don't think, uh, Hammy, we've ever been angry about the quality of play. We knew the quality of play was going to get better. We knew some teams had some down team, some down years. I don't think that was the basis of the anger. You know, I may have played into it, you know, from the fans, but uh, we knew this league was going to be good. It just took a couple of years, but the addition of uh, of Notre Dame was a brilliant move, and, and I think it really helped the entire league this year uh, to have Notre Dame in the league. Well, I mean, I think if you were to go back and look at some of our posts or some of our podcasts back in the day when we first started talking about this stuff, I think we all said that, look, we know that at the start of the Big Ten, they're not going to be the best conference, you know, because we had basically an expansion team in the conference with yep. Penn State. Um, we knew that there were a couple teams that were kind of on a lull, like Ohio State um, and Michigan State. And, of course, we never expected Wisconsin and Michigan, especially Wisconsin, to go down the tank the way they did um, so even that was a little bit unexpected but we all knew that that was probably going to happen early on and, and a conference like the you know the nchc was going to be better off in the early going because they had more stable teams that were already kind of on a on a high note um, but i think as we all talked about in a matter of you know five years or so that that was going to start to change because when you have big schools with big pockets you know, they have a lot of money at their disposal that are willing to put into their their programs. That's eventually going to pay dividends. And I think that that's kind of what we started to see. And I think that that's what's going to be happening moving forward. It doesn't mean there's never going to be a down year in the Big Ten. But I think that you're going to start to see them consistently be in the conversation as either the top conference or in the top two conferences in all of college hockey. Well, I, I tweeted out a couple of days ago. The, the expenses for D1 hockey programs. And if you look at the, the top 15, all seven Big Ten schools are in there. You know, those schools are making a commitment to winning. And the top three are uh, Madison, Notre Dame, and Minnesota. And those those schools want to be successful at hockey, and they're, they're putting the money where their mouth is. And I'm sure that comes into the factor for Moscow to coach at Minnesota. You know, St. Cloud is not on the most stable footing financially. So... You know, in addition to the contract offer that he's going to get, the resources that he's going to have to to have success are going to be much more than St. Cloud, who is not even in the top 15 for expenses. Well, well, we knew expenses were going to go up. I mean, just the travel expenses have, have but it's really not just increased. The, the travel that they're they're investing in, yeah, sure, they're paying for charters rather than buses, but you know, the the food and the 
um, amenities that these players get at the Big True. Ten schools is so much better than they can get at St. Cloud in smaller schools. Definitely true. I mean, just, um, and, and, you know, we've talked about people being angry for so long, and I, I kind of thought even this week, I just think, you know, for me personally, I just kind of miss the road trips. And, you know, people coming to Mariucci, going to Duluth or Bemidji and the closer schools and those games meant something. You could still do it now, but it's just not quite as fun as it used to be, you know, because those games don't mean as much. Um, I, I think that might be some of it. Um, but like you said, Viggs, it, it, over the years, it's just people need to get over it. A lot of things happened all at once, you know, the reseeding and the money and the ticket. I mean, just everything kind of happened at once. But now with the new staff, Viggs, we just it we just have to try to plow through this and you know embrace it as much as we can. Well, I think if fans want there to be better atmosphere at Mariucci, they're going to have to embrace it and get over it. You know, it's it's not going to go back. So you're going to lose your road trips. Maybe invest in your road trip to try to go to Ann Arbor or South Bend and see a game there rather than, you know, trying to go to a couple road trips. And at the same time, they are still scheduling Minnesota Duluth, St. Cloud, North Dakota. So those, those teams are on the schedule. Sure, the you know, there won't be as intense series because there aren't conference points on the line, but they still do have those opportunities for fans. Heck, people can go to Vegas if they want and try to scalp a ticket for a couple hundred bucks. And, and maybe one of these days, Minnesota can beat North, uh, Duluth again. Because uh, <laughs> I don't remember the last time they beat Duluth. Maybe one of those, I mean, it might have been the uh, the North Star Cup, <laughs> the first one. It just seems like it's been forever since they've beaten Duluth. <sighs> oh, boy, guys. What, what, yeah, what else, if what North else? Dakota's looking for a coach, Scott Sandlin's probably should be number one on their list. He's probably been the most successful of the coaches in this region for the last couple of years. Oh, he definitely has. And uh, well, well, let's kind of talk about that. Uh, how, how, what do you think? Uh, do you think Duluth's got a chance uh, uh, next week there, Hammy? Well, I mean, I think everybody's got a chance when you only have to win two games, right? But I, I do think that, um, you know, it's going to be a tough one. I think Ohio State, you know, I think is really – playing well i mean they're kind of really heated up at the right time and i think that they're playing really good hockey um i kind of expect that notre dame is gonna get to the final um i I just i don't know i just think it's gonna end up being an all big 10 final this year viggs you know denver came in playing extremely well they took care of penn state and ohio state just shut them down yeah that's probably the least denver's had the puck all season you know, I thought Ohio State did a great job um, having long shifts, lots of possession. You know, one of the things watching Minnesota this year is you saw if you have an offense that has so many one-and-done opportunities, it just kind of carries over into your defensive zone where you're tired and you're chasing the puck all the game. Uh, in that Ohio State-Denver game, you saw Ohio State possess the puck a lot and take it to the net and take it between the dots and play the way they had to play. I thought Dakota Joshua – Flashed at times in big games last year. I think he's kind of been hit and miss this season. He played a great game against Denver, and, and he's a player that can really push them over the top next weekend. How much is it going to freak the people out if it is an all-Big Ten final? There's going to be a lot of pissed-off people, aren't there? <laughs> I don't know. Is I don't know. Are people going to be pissed anymore? Well, yeah, I, I don't. People overreact about everything. And I'll probably yeah, be out, and I'll be out on Twitter trying to encourage them to overreact. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to get them to act up. Yeah, I, I try, but uh, it, so VJ, you picking an All Big Ten final too? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm picking All Big Ten. Uh, it's kind of easy when half the brackets Big Ten teams as is, but uh, you know, I I think uh, Ohio State's going to be a tough team to get out of the tournament and. You know, it's hard to know with Duluth. They looked so bad in the NCHC championship. Weekend. They did. Like, like they just got frustrated. You know, they took bad penalties. You know, they did a lot, of, a lot of things that frustrate Gopher fans. You know, they shoot pucks off the rush that have no chance of going in. You know, they change on their power play at the wrong time and, you know, don't communicate. And there's passes going back and they're chasing the puck the whole game. It was hard to watch. And uh, they got it back for the 
NCAA regional. But at the same time, I think they got bailed out a little bit by Minnesota State having an awful second period where they didn't get a shot on goal. Oh, it was brutal. <laughs> and uh, that, that kind of let them back into it. And then they didn't have to play St. Cloud in the final. They have to play Air Force, who is a hard team to play against. But it's not St. Cloud. It's not a team that's going to roll out you know, double-digit goals on every line. So I think they got out of the regional a little easier, and uh, they're going to have two tough games if they if they even get past Ohio State. Well, they'll definitely have the crowd on on hand, you know, at least cheering for them, I, just like it was in 2011. I mean, you just look look at the the teams. We got three of the teams that were in the 2011 Frozen Four right back there at the X this year. The only difference is, you know, Ohio State instead of North Dakota. Yeah, but I don't think you'll have uh, the non-UMD fans pulling for them quite like they did back then. I think a lot of uh, fans in the Metro think uh, UMD's gotten a little too high and mighty since they got their <laughs> first title, and uh, there won't be quite that same enthusiasm for them that there was that time. Yeah, I hope so. Are you going to be heading down there for the Frozen Four there, Viggs? That's the plan. I'm I'm planning on being there for, for both days and, and looking forward to it. I haven't uh, covered a final Frozen Four before, so... Should be fun, and I'm sure there will be a lot of interest around uh, the coaching situation here still. So. Actually, my first one I covered was that uh, 2011 one, and uh, I thought it was fun. You know, it, it was at the time it was fun to see you know, Duluth win, get get one, and uh, it was a thrilling game in overtime, and uh, it was exciting for me because it was my first one, and I, I did end up covering the Tampa one. This year, I just decided, you know what, I just. Uh, I don't want to go down there. <laughs> I just, I, nah, maybe next time. <laughs> Who knows? But it, it's fun to cover. And, you know, covering at the X is, uh, you're obviously familiar with it, but when you, I mean, when we covered at uh, in, in Tampa, Tampa's building, you know, great location for the fans. Tampa's building for covering, not as great. Press box, tiny. Um, no places to shoot for photographers. It was just really goofy. But uh, the X is a great place for for this Frozen Four, and uh, I wish they would get get more of a regular rotation with it because you know it, it has been a little while. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Frozen Fours and regionals as they decide what they're going to do going forward with the format. But Excel is a great place to cover games, and it's a great place for fans to go. I know a lot of the NCHC fans enjoyed going there for their tournament, even though the attendance really wasn't that much more. I think the experience was better for everybody. Yeah, yeah. All right, Hammy, you got any final thoughts here? Or do you guys have got anything else to talk about? I mean, we've covered a lot tonight. No, man, I'm wiped out. <laughs> did you get it all out of your... Two days, you, dude. Yeah, did you get it all out of your system, though? Yeah, I'm good. You're good. Like I said, I'm totally on board with, you know the next head coach and i hope he does great and uh, i will always support the gopher program obviously the program is the most important thing not any one coach or any one person so that's uh ultimately what it's all about yeah i was i was against the guy but i have i'm with i'm with you hammy we need to get behind motsko and uh we'll see how he you know puts his staff together and we'll, we'll see how it all comes together uh next fall Viggs. yeah i just think there's very few people that could take this job, and I think Monsko is one of them. You know, he's definitely qualified to do it, and it'll be interesting to see what he does in the next couple of weeks here with his staff. And uh, I'll be at the press conference on Thursday, and I'm sure the Athletic will have plenty of coverage of, course. of uh, the Gopher Hockey uh, world. I'll have an article coming out on the facilities that Don Lucia will be fundraising on here soon, and uh, then next week at the Frozen Four. And, of course, you just did your yearly article on uh... – you know, ticket scans, didn't you, Angie, for GPL? Yep. So the numbers for all the, the games and it, actual attendance is on there. Uh, I think a big issue with it this year was they had such a lower number of season tickets that they had to move single game tickets like they never have before. And it took until, I think, the Ohio State game for them really to, to do that. And you saw the boost in ticket scan for that one. Yeah. I think if uh, Minnesota is going to solve their attendance issue down the line, they're going to have to figure out how to get new fans who who don't know anything about the old WCHA. And getting youth <laughs> groups is a great way to do that. It's interesting. You know, you know, we had some people complaining, well, why aren't you guys covering Lucia change and stuff like that? And uh, you clearly said, Biggs, you know, what 
what are we going to say that 50 other outlets aren't going to say about the Don Lucia changing? Um, but, but one thing I like is that you do write those different articles that, you know what, no one else is talking about. Um, and, and that's uh, that's the kind of content that people come to GPL for is because is anyone talking about ticket scan besides maybe Molesky in Wisconsin? No, that's about it. And uh, it's a worthy topic. For it is like Minnesota Duluth. You know, they have ticket scan problems just like Minnesota. So something I've looked at a little bit and probably will do something here um, early next season. Well, I, I, do you guys see a reason we need another show next week? Did we get, we, we got we'll it off. See what happens, dude. Oh, we'll have, we'll have the coaches to talk about who the hell. You know, knows. I, you know, I'm. I think I might be up for that. So, um, and yeah, you know, either next week or the week after, we could talk about the Frozen Four and talk about maybe some assistant coaches and and if anything else changes. So we won't leave this closed for the last you know show of the season. We might still pop in here, but we did cover a lot tonight, and uh, like you said, a lot could still change. You know. You know, I would love to talk about, you know, you know, where does Genzel end up if, if he ends up? You know, I've been hearing even rumors that uh, Patoni might be going after the St. Cloud job. So uh, a lot of interesting things out there. So, But, you know, remember, you can always follow Hammy on Twitter, at HammyHockey, Vigo, at EVigo um, on Twitter, and, of course, at The Athletic. And he does great coverage there. Why well, we covered a lot this week, a lot of changes. Uh, we think it's all good. Get behind the new new coach, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week, or won't we?